The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are rolling over here as the Nasdaq looks set for fifth straight 1% loss. Heck of a week headed our way as well. A Fed meeting, GDP, a third of the S&P reporting earnings, including IBM tonight. Our roadmap begins with uh, the ongoing market volatility. Futures point to more declines. S&P now down 8% year to date. Plus, we're keeping an eye on oil as it moves lower. Traders are watching those ongoing Russia-Ukraine tensions. And we're going to talk activist pressure. Kohl's and Unilever both appear to be the latest targets. We will start with the markets, though, after a rough week for stocks, Jim. Friday, pretty ugly, and we're not starting this week out on the best note. You know, we've got this problem. We have 600 companies that came public, either through SPAC or IPO in the last year. It's first very hard to value them. I was going over this excellent CNBC Millennial Index and. I've got, um, do this for, for tonight, too, and for uh, the club. I, I, I've got 10 of them that are interesting, uh, that are actually not selling at more than 50 times earnings. Uh, at least they're not all by sales. But th- it's interesting. The average index, the index is down 57%. Average stock. Now, down 57%, we could sit here and say, okay, it's just getting started. Like I heard so many people today say, it's just Wait, getting what, started. What average stock is down 57% no, the, the, of we, what? The of, Jason Index. Just, Jason, put the, Jason Gilbert's put together the, the Millennial oh, Index. Oh, okay. Which includes what? What's on this Millennial Index? It's all index? the stocks that people, the Millennials like. I see. Okay. And it's a good haircut. Thank you. And so what happens is you look at it and you say, oh, geez, I guess they're just starting to roll over. No, they're, they're, they're down 57%. So when I hear people saying, you know what, this could get serious, I say, well, what was down 57%? What, 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 do they have to go to zero? No. The answer is you have to start looking at stocks. It's so painful. And every, neg- every single tick down versus what we had uh, when there were, say, 13 seconds left, of a big Bills victory, uh, which was all up, by the way. So do we decide that in the David, I mean, it's just as just as easily said that when the when the Chiefs beat the Bills and the market goes lower. I mean, there is so little to cause what's doing this other than the fact that the Fed is raising rates. The, well, that, that's kind of we, they've been doing that for weeks. No, but maybe no, it's I mean, not like that Biden sends sometimes. Biden sends families home uh, as if somehow uh, Putin's going to invade ahead of when he has this meeting with Xi at the Olympics? I don't know. It's interesting so. that the market suddenly seems focused on the con- potential conflict in Ukraine when obviously that those tensions have been rising well, for I mean, quite we, some time and the troops from well, uh, I would like, have been remember, the border for some time. Trump but, fractured NATO. And Germany it gets much of its energy from Russia. From Russia. And it's not there saying, listen, I'm trying to draw on a line to Ukraine. Let's talk about the larger market here because it has been day, more or less day after day of of one percent down, right. one and a half significant. Nothing yeah. that sparks us to have a special at night, by the way. None of those cataclysmic no, down days a, where everybody goes. No, ah. um, well, instead, it's sort of been a lot of pain, 
kind of every day. Uh, and it's not just these millennial indexes you're talking. I mean, well, I, I, picked know, I, hear, I, I hear from a lot of my hedge fund buddies, they're down dramatically. I mean, a lot of them are down 10, 15, some 20 percent for the month. That is not yet over. We got another week here. Well, I, January. Just, I think that people decide the earnings are bad, that the Fed's going to tighten, that the Russians are going to invade, that a lot of the companies that have come public are not worth anything, that there's been very little takeover activity other than Kohl's, which we'll talk about. Well, I and, remember an Activision deal a week ago. That was pretty big. What, what, well, look, I'm not, I, I'm some, not negative. Plenty of takeover. I'm not negative. I mean, I'm trying to give you a positive scenario here. I'm saying when stocks are down this much, Carl, that you you shouldn't just say, holy cow, I'm getting killed, because you should realize you've been getting killed. So now you have to decide what stocks are down a certain percentage from their high that still could be worth a great deal. And those are ones that you have to do some buying. Yeah. Uh, some some analysis out over the weekend that a, a good chunk of uh, crypto holdings are now underwater. Yes. Um, was it your view, Friday, that you thought some money would roll over from crypto into equities? Yes, I do. But then crypto's collapsed again. And I have to think that when you see crypto down as much as it is, there are people who haven't been into crypto will say, OK, look, I got to I got to get a position in it. I mean, David. The the issue that keeps happening to me is that there are absolutely so many different securities all over the place, and the, the SPACs never stopped. And, uh, you have so many companies where you, there, there's still redemptions, and then there's money that's left, and people don't understand SPACs. And no doubt. Major part that, of this A year problem. ago, we were talking a great deal about it. Obviously, I was taking a critical eye towards SPACs. There are still hundreds of them that haven't done a deal as of yet. Uh, it became a very speculative part of the market. They have suffered, as have many other high multiple, low earnings companies, or let's call right. it not low earnings, not any earnings, but the prospect of them. But, Jim, it's, it's extended far beyond that part of the market to names that you know very well that are down dramatically off their highs right. after a very strong year last year, many of them. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the pain is not felt, sort of broadly speaking here. When but we look mean, at the should we just decide that it's over and, and let's That's do a lot question. of selling here? And, That's the question. And then betting we can get back in. Who's that good? Are you that good? I mean, is this something that you can do easily? Can you decide, you know what, um, there, Spotify down seven, that this is the level to buy Spotify at 188. Uh, they're going to report this week. Maybe it won't be that bad. I don't know. I know that anytime you buy anything in the last half hour, you're obliterated. And I don't know. Uh, I would tell people, look, if you really want to know where to buy, keep your powder dry the last half hour because the last half hour has been a nightmare. We don't know why. They, you know, a lot of what's happened is that we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's selling. We don't know. I mean, let's look at DocuSign. That's a good one. Okay. So DocuSign, I figure, wow, that's down a great deal. But it's still up uh, on a market capitalization, about $10 billion from before the pandemic. But then you say, say to yourself, well, didn't they add at least $10 billion in value, given the fact that we now will use DocuSign? Yeah. So DocuSign's intriguing to me. That was, it's that, intriguing That to was me. one of the bull arguments on Peloton on Friday. Was it Stiefel saying they're a much larger business than they were uh, than before the pandemic started, and yet they're back to their IPO price? Well, the problem there is, is that I think that DocuSign uh, gained a lot of adherence and is still gaining adherence. And there's still transactions where Peloton may be full up. And I don't really know the circumstances of what happened in terms of manufacturing. What I do know is, is that it's entirely possible that when you look at the Planet Fitness numbers, they show you that people want to get back together again. Uh, David, but there's no sign that DocuSign is being used less. Right. Um, I mean, I have two regional banks on last week. The transactions are 
immense. And the consumer continues to seem to be quite strong. Yes. Which would seem to augur for positive things, broadly speaking. But you got a lot of hedge funds who are, um, you know, who did not effectively short because that hurt so much last year and the year prior. Uh, who are taking risk off. So maybe right. a lot of that selling at the end of the day is just people capitulating, saying, you know what, I can't take anymore. I've got to make sure I don't lose the year coming up here already, and I'm going to get out. Uh, but, 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 uh, so, you know, I don't know when you get close to the, the end of that, but it certainly may be something that's contributing to what you're talking about. Right, but let, let's take the case of Kohl's. I mean, two weeks ago, you couldn't give away Kohl's. John Duskin, I've known him for 30 years. He decides it's time to... The standstill's over last Monday, and he's going to make a move on Kohl's. Yeah. Uh, and Michelle Goss is doing okay, and people just say, oh, well, you know, who's Duskin? What is that? He comes on uh, the judge's show, and he's like, you know, what is he talking about? And then you wake up, and there's two huge firms that both both of credible, credible that won Kohl's. So, I mean, yes, I know you can't make a stand right. uh, saying that this is where you should, people should buy Texas Instruments. But, you know, David, Kohl's is not a standout player. It is not. It turned out that value. Activision Blizzard, not a standout player. No. That value. So what do we do? We decide that those are needles in the haystack, or do we decide, you know what, maybe there's value, and we have to do work. That's a good point. That's a, that's a good point, and I think from Starboard's point of view, they certainly believe that this is cheap uh, right. and that there's real value there and that brick-and-mortar retail has been overly penalized to a certain I, extent. I, I, I think it's that's It's not clear true. to me that it's necessarily focused on changing management as much as it simply was taking advantage of a, an opportunity. By the way, you've got two potential bidding parties here. Remember, Starboard with its Acacia, it's sort of a, a kind of its PE strategy. It, it controls that mm-hmm. holding company that can be used for deals. If you can get that to work for you, by the way, as a hedge fund and creates permanent capital, like that. Uh, but that's kind of where they're working from. And then you've got Sycamore, which our Leslie Pickers confirmed, I believe, has come at, I think it's 65 a share is yeah. what Leslie's uh, got. Um, and Sycamore, obviously, as we know, has dabbled in this area in the past. They're the ones who, unfortunately for them, or perhaps some would say stupidly, uh, had a deal to acquire Victoria's Secret. Remember that? Right. February of, uh, of 20, and then got out of that deal in May when the first wave of the pandemic and regret that because it became a 10-bagger okay, that they walked away you, from. You know, but they may now be interested in Kohl's as well. It, it's absolutely true that Kohl's, for that its Michelle, part, by the way, Michelle, is we've got, we're in receipt of some interest, and that's all we're going to But Michelle you. Goss is, you know, they're putting the Heisman the there. I mean, they're not willing to do this. And then suddenly, uh, on the invitation of uh, activists, they're in. I, I'm bringing this full circle because if I look at a bunch of retailers the way that Matt Boss did from J.P. Morgan, well, there's suddenly a dozen retailers you should be looking at if you have two different bidders. I mean, that's quite a move this morning. Wait, wait, but I'm saying on that like, potential did, 64 and or 65 okay, dollar bids. And they haven't been invited in. No. It feels a little no. like Whole Foods. And then, you know, Amazon could come in for a while. I know because yep. Kohl's, you have the return. But I'm just saying that is are, are these two buyers who have come in, are they making a big mistake and everybody who's selling a genius? Or do we say everybody who's selling is selling because everybody else is selling? Or do we say that they created so much merchandise that it's 2000, year 2000, and it's April of 2000, everybody has to sell everything and end up in Coca-Cola? Well, retail sales have not been good lately. Uh, Households are starting to use credit card debt. Uh, Big piece over the weekend on how pay hikes are not keeping pace with inflation on a real basis. Mike Wilson's big point is that it's not the Fed that's the threat, it's slowing growth. Look at City Economic Surprise Index. Now, see that? I, I like Mike very much, but remember, boy, that's like 
what Larry Kudlow used to do. You know, I all due respect, uh, Larry Kudlow, my old friend from Kudlow and Kramer. But, you know, you can't have it both ways. I mean, you, you have a very living, breathing Fed guy who wants the slowing economy. And then does he ignore that there's a slowing economy and just give this hawkish speech? Well, that presumes he doesn't watch TV. He doesn't listen to anybody. It's just the opposite, of course. He does it all. He didn't in 2018. So, you know, David, when I look at a market like this, I say to myself, did these companies really lose this much value between when, uh, you know, let's say when Mahone's got it? No, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not. I'm using an analogy. Uh, I mean, was it I mean, when you look at the time that things fell apart, did everything lose that much value on the idea that people are leaving <laughs> the families? Leave? Here it is. This is where it started. That was when it was down 1%, and that's 100% and a half. And now the field goal goes out. You know, he, he's money. Uh, oh, here we go. Was, watch this. Listen, watch we this. Were, it's down this we 0.5 all, right here. We down all, 0.5. No, no. This, yeah, this is, that's Kelsey Oh, there. my God. Now it's down 0.75. Yeah, that was over time. I have to sell um, Apple on that. Well, if it had been Tariq, I would have sold. I would have actually sold Alphabet. What you're really referring to is the fact that Josh the, Allen, who was incredible, and there were 13 seconds left on the clock, and somehow Mahomes managed to move the ball from the 25 down to their 38. 77 right, yards. To up, well, yeah, to set up a field goal. Uh, that put it into overtime. You just saw what happened right. there. That was the most incredible game I think many of us have ever watched. My heart goes out to the Buffalo Bills. And now I want to move on, if I can, to no, Unilever no. and activism. Well, no, but I just want to say that <laughs> the capricious nature yeah. of Nasdaq down 12. I mean, let's say S&P goes down 10. All right, so we are you able, down 10, mm-hmm. down 10, mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know what, that's the level I got to buy Unilever. The hell with, with, with this. It, no. when it's, I mean, I'm just saying no one's this good. All these people come on our air, and they act as if they're this good. Hey, you know what? When it's down 10%, I mean, not, no, it's not Mahomes is what I'm saying. You're not as good as Mahomes. No. Nobody is. Uh, if you had bought uh, Kohl's on Friday, you're very happy today. Well, yes, but you couldn't have because you see the market's going to be right. down big. Now there are potentially two bidders who want to buy it. I want to come to act- activism on Unilever as well since right. we're talking activism here with, uh, with Kohl's. Uh, share what I can tell you in terms of the potential interest from Tryon, obviously one of the bigger activists out there that we've talked about for many years, both in good times and bad. P&G, real success. GE, not so much for Tryon, for example. The Journal and the FT actually was the first to report that they have a, a, uh, an interest here. Um, I can tell you a few things. Um, we talked a lot about Unilever last week, guys, because, of course, of that uh, three times that they'd made a bid to buy Glaxo's consumer health care business that is being spun off and were rejected. And the fact that their own shareholders seem to be in opposition to that yeah. bid and the uh, price that kept going up, although now they've stopped uh, raising that price. Um, But this was unexpected in some way. Let me tell you what I know, which is there have been no conversations that have taken place between Unilever and Tryon. Tryon, for its part, by the way, has declined all comment. Um, But it is my understanding that there have been no conversations about this investment that conceivably Tryon has in Unilever, what it is that they might want, whether or not they actually are going to be a threat to the current CEO in some way or potentially try to push for change. The only meeting that did take place, Jim, between uh, Nelson Peltz, of course, uh, at Tryon, and Mr. Uh, uh, is it Joe P? How do you pronounce his name? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure either. The CEO of Unilever actually was in September, is my understanding, and it was September. took place at Claridge's in London, from what I hear. Well, I love that. And place. you know, it was about the Ben and Jerry's boycott in the West Bank. 
Uh, Mr. Peltz had great concerns about that. I think the Israeli government perhaps asked him to see if he could intervene positively to have them lift that boycott uh, where they won't sell Ben and Jerry's in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Uh, And so the only meeting that took place that I'm aware of, at least, between Unilever's management and Peltz was that. And it was solely focused on that issue. By the way, at the time, it's my understanding there may not have been any position whatsoever that that Tryon had. Uh, didn't succeed, by the way, in getting right. them to lift that boycott, which I believe remains in effect. So we'll see where, what, and if anything, develops here um, in this story. Uh, obviously, again, following on last week with Unilever saying, finally, we're not going to raise our bid any right. longer for Glaxo's healthcare business, health, uh, consumer healthcare business that Glaxo doesn't want to sell to us. But that's the meeting that took place, we can tell you at least at this well, point. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting here, the irony. David, do you remember uh, when Nelson fought a proxy fight, got on the board of, of, of Procter? Yes. Pete, a lot of yes. his ideas were carried out. And a lot of, if you look at that last quarter, what's incredible is that Procter is crushing Unilever overseas. Now, that wasn't necessarily Nelson, but he, he, a lot of his reorganization made it divisions much more aggressive. So Procter crushes Unilever, which had been crushing Procter over the period, say, of 2010 to 2015. Now... Now maybe he makes Unilever more competitive against Procter. I mean, it really is. It's a case of a, yeah. a coach going from one team that he was uh, to another. Uh, Unilever's been in an interesting place. You had Pullman, obviously, the focus on ESG. Some of their shareholders unhappy with that, perhaps right. over, over-reliance on, on what ESG. What do you make about the fact that the Glaxo... What, there was a moment where Glaxo had everything. They had the big Unilever bid. They were doing fine. Unilever's people got hurt. Now, I don't think... Do you think there's any coincidence that Procter, that Unilever suddenly... Yeah, Nelson's off Procter. That he suddenly serves as a Unilever right after Unilever screws up? It's an interesting time. But again, I'm not aware that there are any real conversations about what they're up to at Triant. Sometimes they take positions and then they sell them. Sometimes they follow through. Sometimes they're a passive investor. So I, I say we wait and see what develops. But it is exciting to see that uh, some would say turncoat, that Proctor would say, uh, hey, wait a second, you got you really helped us. Now you're helping our enemy. Uh, but then again, hey, Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator for Andy Reid. I come back to that because I like to come back to perfect. And the NFL was How did they perfect. let Kelsey get off the line? How did... For that, not for the touchdown in the overtime, but for the second and for the best the second catch pass. in the 13 seconds. If you have answers to how to handle the big guys I know, in the middle, then by all means. Happen? And but why didn't they kick off and let it and actually let the kickoff thing the is ball? a much different yeah. question. And why can oh. and can Microsoft deliver? They're the ones that matter the most. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't the Jets. I would never have recovered <laughs> ever. Well, you'd be, wouldn't you just be so thrilled that they got there? No. <laughs> All or nothing. Uh, take a look at futures here. Uh, not benefiting much from a decline in yields. Ten-year, 172, close to the lowest level in about a week and a half. Uh, we'll get to a bunch of calls on Comcast, Snap, Netflix, Affirm when we come back in a minute. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. 
You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. NASDAQ looking at another 1% plus decline. This would make it five in a row. And the S&P looks to open right around uh, the 10% decline level from those all-time highs of 4,800 plus. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and count down to the opening bell in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. (laughs) Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to (laughs) sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Welcome back. We can't stop talking about football here. I am sure like the rest of the country. But uh, let's get to a mad dash for six minutes before we get started with training. I I keep coming back to the two worlds. There's the world of the futures crushing everything and people being scared. And then there's the real world. So Halliburton reports this morning. And Halliburton, the CEO is not really given too hyperbole. Now the stock's down. I mean, look, like I said, everything's down. Okay, But the CEO is really talking about a multi-year move. Uh, Everything's up 10 percent globally. Uh, Halliburton is a very good service company. In this country, we haven't even, they did 36 cents, people looking for 34. CEO says, I'm excited about the accelerating multi-year upcycle. I expect the macro industry environment to remain supportive. International and North American markets remain supportive. So, if you're selling in here, why? Why? And this is why I was making the facetious comments about the NFL. You don't have a basis for selling, other than the fact that you think others are going to sell and you want to beat them to the exits, which then says, well, wait a second. I want to get back into Halliburton right here. And what I keep saying is no one is that good. No one is going to be able to get out here and get back in there. And yet we just got a really good earnings report. I mean, excellent. So before you just sell it because you think others are going to sell it, why not be a cooler head and say, you know what? It's better than it was on Friday. It's better than it was. Okay. It's a good quarter. A good lesson. Trying to be rational. Uh, We will continue to try to be rational here with an opening bell just a few minutes away. Don't go anywhere. 
Energy markets paying a lot of attention to geopolitics today. The State Department says it has ordered family members of U.S. embassy staff to leave Ukraine. This amid concerns about a possible Russian invasion. In the meantime, the president uh, reportedly considering troop deployment near Ukraine, moving some troops from uh, Western Europe uh, to Eastern Europe. Jim, on Friday, uh, J.P. Morgan rolled out a scenario in which there is a dramatic escalation and Brent goes to 150. Yeah, look, I, I think that we, again, the timing is difficult because of the Olympics, but there are so many different alternatives other than the worst case. Uh, this is, I think, very much about Russia not wanting Ukraine, which is really a failed state, by the way. It's been taken care of by the West, uh, not to be part of NATO. Uh, the, if you're Germany, which you really need for NATO, then what are they going to do? Cut off the, the source of energy that they have? Is Biden able to go in and unilaterally? You know, I mean, they're talking about frigates from smaller countries. So, David, the way I look at this is that we keep hearing basically it's going to be a war over Ukraine. And that's the least likely of the scenarios, given the fact that we not necessarily want to go to war to well, save Ukraine. No, we're not, but the question is what the fallout is or what other things occur as a result of the sanctions and the movement of gas and the economic toll to Europe and all those kinds of issues. Wait, I mean, the oil, oil to 150... Look, I, I think oil goes higher. I've been saying that. You didn't need this. But I, I just really want people to understand that it is not a shooting war or nothing. You know, Carl, it is difficult for us to talk about geopolitics, but we can read like everybody else. And I think that some of the sources of Russia just saying, listen, we're going to move it on the border, not necessarily take care of it, or Russia going to NATO and say, listen, if you agree to pull back, we're absolutely fine. Uh, there's also the sense that, well, United States folded in Afghanistan, so they're weakened, and Putin feels that our country's weakened because of the split that we have, a very real split in our, our own government. So I, I don't want anyone to think, you know what, I have to sell McDonald's, which reports this week, because of Ukraine. Because once again, you have to say, all right, I'm going to get back in, though, when it yields 3% and it sells at a 20 multiple, because that's what happens. I get lucky. <laughs> it, it isn't like that. You don't get lucky. Things don't get to become accidental high yielders unless we have a recession. And I know that Wilson's the world. I mean, Wilson's using, you know, when you start talking about the winter, you know, Costin did the winter. Fire I mean, and ice. Well, yeah, the fire and ice. I mean, how about the, the fire and straw coalition of Nixon? I mean, can we please step back from the metaphors and look at individual stocks and say, you know what, that's interesting because that's what it's going to come down to. And I think there's a lot of stocks that are Interesting. Well, uh, our parent may be one of them, Comcast uh, leading the S&P here at the Open, along with Fox A, uh, both on upgrades. Uh, RBC says the 19% drop in our parent's share price has been overdone. Well, I mean, I think that, that I'm going to mention the parent. I'm, I, look, I, I'm sitting there watching live TV this weekend, of which if I hadn't, I feel like I'd be totally left out. And what network am I watching some of this live TV, David? NBC. So is the, there's another good example. Should that be less? Well, no, it's not because people figured out in, in their infinite wisdom that maybe live sports is something unfortunately maybe I have live to take. sports when it's football, which actually well, the take really would be the power of the NFL as a brand and as a league. But you can't and not the, have it. Uh, the importance that it has to network television. But last basically week. Basically, every single NFL game ends up being the top-rated program of the I, year put on the list. Last week the issue was did how come there wasn't more staying power to the uh, you know to Netflix's programming. Uh, I'm watching these games this weekend and I said I don't need staying power 
Netflix's program. I got, I have this. And now you may say, well, look, it's just, it's just only uh, 23 weekends of the year. Yes, I might. I There's know. a lot of scarcity. Because that would be the case. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but actually, they're not watching baseball. Well, that's not our no. fault. No, it's not. Those teams, you know, those leagues have to start looking at what's going on. Not right watching in this as much league. hockey. The NBA is pretty strong. NBA is very exciting when yeah. you get to the playoffs. So you do it. And, and March Madness. So what TNT I'm saying, and plays a role there. the That's Masters, which is you know, classic like none other. Yeah. So, I mean, suddenly you have these events and you say to yourself, you know what? This court cutting, eh, it's, it turns out that, oh, that's a little harder. Well, well, last I looked, you can put a digital antenna up and do pretty well, too. Yeah, get the well, games get, for free. Yeah. Not every game is going to be that good. Right. I just uh, am saying that we Netflix threw this market into a tizzy, Ukraine. Uh, obviously, pal, and that's created great value. And yet, I come in today, and now I've discovered about nuclear winter. And where was I fifty-seven uh, percent ago for this millennial index? And you know, I'm, look, I'm slanting the millennial index for a particular reason because we're talking about Moderna, Crocs, Pennat, Alphabet, Coinbase, Netflix, PayPal, Zoom Video. I mean, these are real companies, or they were until this thing started. Yeah. Look at Zoom. Okay, I will. What would you like me to look at it for? Um, I don't know. Because it's down dramatically. No, I mean, I'm just saying that we valued this company at X, and now we've taken it all the way down because we think that they didn't use their currency to make the buy. They tried. I'm not recommending Zoom. They tried. I'm not recommending Zoom. They tried to buy 5.9. It didn't work for them. I'm just saying, I mentioned that as being a hated company that has come down so much that I have to think, all right, let me open the book on Zoom. Let me see if there isn't Your something point, it cooking. It is down 62% over the last year. Right. Uh, DocuSign. I was 451. How about I had uh, I had Huntington Bank shares yields 4%. They had, they're having the best year that they've ever had. Uh, they just got the Ohio gift of Gelsinger. Yeah. And, and their numbers are terrific. And I guess I got to sell that because of, um, tell me why. Because, I, um, um, I mean, Cincinnati's in the way. Oh, because it's from Columbus? No, I mean, I, 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 I don't. I need a reason to sell is well, what I'm saying. I, Carl, I need I a reason. I don't people have a reason on Rivian to sell, but I did notice well, that, that stock. And it is interesting because it is reflective of what Jim is talking about, the speculative nature of the markets last year. Certainly this was a high-flying IPO. It still created an enormous amount of value for those who owned it when it was a private company, at least the earlier rounds, yes. certainly. But it is below its IPO price, down another 7%. Remember, we got the deliveries for last year. They delivered, what, 1,015 vehicles, 920 of them to customers in the U.S. by the end of 2021. Obviously, it's about what they're going to be doing this year and the years following. But it is a good proxy to a certain extent for the speculative nature of some of these. It's down 42 percent this year. Um, This year. I just find I want to find a reason why I must at this moment sell American Express ahead of the quarter. And a lot of people say, well, the reason is, obviously, it's because it, American Express has got, you know, they, you know, come on. You sell it because somebody there, else is going to sell it, as you just said with Halliburton, because right. it's going to keep going down. So I want to be the going to keep raising rates, and we're in a different environment right now than we've been in for quite some time. Okay. And the Fed may not finally have your back, even if we're down 20 or 30 percent. Well, was the, the whole thing just a giant Fed uh that's another thing. Those people have come yeah, back and yeah. said it just was nothing. And I'm sitting here hoping for the Pfizer pill, uh, just in case my loved ones get this. And, and in the meantime, people are selling Pfizer now because they're selling Pfizer because it ended. The pandemic ended. Well, how about Pfizer now has the ability to be able to go through the patent cliff? I think that Pfizer is interesting. How about for the first time we're going to an Apple quarter where it looks like that things are sold through and the stock's not at its 52-week high? What a gift. 
Uh, but, yeah, got a couple reiterations of, of Apple on Friday from uh, Morgan Stanley. And then today on Microsoft out of Goldman, uh, reiterate by a 400, Jim. We're going to be reminded of the reasons we bought these names. Uh, or sold did. them. Or yep. sold them. I mean, you look at Microsoft and someone could say, I'm not going to pay 30 times earnings. Or you could look at someone and says, the reason why I've been buying this company is it's a uh, it keeps beating earnings, but that was that David no longer important when the stock's down 60 from its high. Now we've got a new metric, and the metric is I really want to get out ahead of you. I mean, this is like well, when you go, Microsoft hey, you know, I'm was, bears chasing me. I don't know, know how widely owned Microsoft was, and every every hedge fund so, is in this name. You know, so all what? of them somehow underperforming anyway. But uh, okay, so again, are you going to get in at 273? I don't know. Jim, listen, the, the performance last year was extraordinary. The top line growth for a company that's been around as long as Microsoft was was eye popping when you would look at those releases. I don't um, know what we're going to get this coming uh, for the last reported quarter when we get it later uh, this week. I agree. One would expect it'll be quite strong again. But you tell me. Let's just go back to the fundamentals. I don't know. Where is this thing trading on a, on a on 30 times earnings? OK. Um, Probably deserves that, premier, given I said, if it can maintain growth that kind of top well, line that, growth. Well, that's the problem. So you take it, again, I, I'm playing this devil's advocate line because I don't like f- selling it for the sake of beating someone else. Okay, so Google uh, Alphabet... It probably sells it at 20, it's 22 times earnings. Back out to cash, what are you talking about now, 19 times earnings? Now, is that expensive? And the answer is no. But you can then, Carl, say, who cares about whether it's expensive? And the answer is that three months from now, from now you'll be carrying a great deal uh, because you're looking. You know, money is not going to come out of the market to 1.2% CDs. It's going to look for situations where the momentum has come out and the business is good. Uh uh, every one of the companies that are up there right now is doing things, spending hundreds of hundreds of billions, you know, ten, well, tens of billions of dollars developing new uh, programs. And, and we sit there and we say, well, these are just sitting ducks. And Carl, like the sitting duck thing, well, that those are the SPACs. And, and those are the companies that came public. Those are sitting ducks. And the fact that no one's come in, say, and bought a lemonade or bought an upstart. Uh, when I say no one, I mean a company. That tells me, all right, be careful there. But I'm not going to sit here and say, this is the moment to sell AbbVie. Because even though they're doing well, even though they've got a great yield, even though they're going to have a terrific quarter, I'm not going to, I'm going to sell it because, well, everyone else is. Well, there's That's a good a example. Reason. There's yeah. a good example on Splunk today. Uh, BTIG ups to buy, target 155. Uh, channel checks improving, lead us to believe companies turning a corner. Um, we see a few dynamics that could help the name re-rate later in the year, specifically the accelerated mix shift to cloud. No, see, now, they're not making money. And my problem there is that I had Doug Meredith on multiple times, and Doug Meredith one day disappeared. I don't know the new interim CEO, and that I find to be, uh, because of that, I'm more concerned. I absolutely like the idea of a turn. But here's a good one, ServiceNow. Okay, so ServiceNow, uh, ServiceNow, Adobe, a couple of these, but ServiceNow is now down 200 points from its high. Okay, it sells, but it sells at 85 times earnings, but it could make the number. It, that means it's good, except for the fact it's got momentum buyers. But look at the chart. I know, David, you're not a chartist, but no. you're repealing whole moves. Yeah. Does that matter? I don't know. Well, the answer is, is that... What is the answer, Jim? The answer is, is that you, if you liked it at 700... You're going to love it at and, 500? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let's take, let's take a look at Snap. If you like Snap uh, at 80, are you going to like it at 30? This morning, there's a downgrade from Wedbush to Neutral. 
By I the th- way, they've had an outperform on the stock, so take that for what it's worth. Right, but I, I, I think what's interesting here is the is well, I'm the um, you mentioned that is the uh, is the thesis, which is Snap currently has a strong foothold in the 13 to 34 demo, and it's all about TikTok. The audience is the most similar to Snap's, which means it puts both Snap's engagement and time spent and ad dollars at risk. TikTok is a power. Uh, ByteDance, obviously, the owner of TikTok. Those numbers continue to soar higher, advertising such an important growth component of TikTok, putting Snap at risk. By the way, maybe others too. I mean, there are some who argue short form is really everything that matters for this demographic. They're not even going to be watching television. No, I watched any form. the Apple ads this weekend. seemed like that there were people trying to figure out how to put their TikTok together. I, I look at Snap and I say the last quarter was terrific. Uh, I don't know, maybe it bottoms at 25. Again, I'm stuck with this concept of if you want to buy a stock, you should want to buy it when the stock is not 83, where it was, but 30, where it is. Now, the last hour, that stock could break down to 28, so there's no need to be aggressive. But I'm looking at these stocks down from where they were, and I'm saying, all right, those people who bought it that high, they're wrong. I'm not going to be as wrong as they were. I want to do some buying today. My travel trust is buying today. I'm forcing myself to buy today. We wanted to buy more Friday. We couldn't. Why am I doing it? Because that's what I do. That's my discipline. It's my discipline. Okay. It's my 13 seconds. Okay. We're going to get some PMI data here in just a bit, so we'll take a break. A reminder, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Sign up, find out more at cnbc.com slash investing club. We didn't quite get to 10% discount from the highs, which would be around 43.16. We're back in a moment. on the street. Rick Santelli here live at CME HQ with breaking news. Some of the first PMIs of 2022 and they're not pretty. January preliminary market PMI manufacturing 55.0. That's the week is going all the way back into October of last year sequentially following 57.7. On the services side 50.9, 50.9. That is the weakest since June of last year and sequentially following 57.6. And finally, the trifecta of weakness, the composite PMI at 50.8, 50.8, the weakest since June of last year, sequentially following 57.0. We see interest rates are slipping a bit. They probably will now slip a bit more. Squawk on the Street will return in two minutes. In the setting of an epidemic right now, you don't want to withdraw the use of masks for schools that have come to rely on them. But when we do start to improve, that should be the first thing that we look at, because we know that they're disruptive to children. We know that they've had a cumulative impact on the socialization of kids in schools. The other thing is the vaccine mandates. You just saw Connecticut announce that they're going to suspend their vaccine mandate for state workers. Why? Because they've achieved most of their goals. They've vaccinated a very high percentage of their state workers, well over 90 percent. The population has a lot of immunity in it. 
cases are declining in Connecticut. And so it doesn't make as much sense to have that mandate in place anymore. And so you have to have a flexible doctrine here. That's Dr. Gottlieb earlier on Squawk Today with his take on mask mandates and the Omicron spread. Obviously, it's a big story for the U.K., where a lot of restrictions are going to roll off in the coming days, including uh, having any test when you arrive. Look, I, I, I follow him, of course, very closely. And to me, what he's saying is if you're Fed, Fed chair, you have to say, I don't know, I would listen to Gottlieb. And maybe four weeks from now, something would be very different. Let's not be too harsh, because so many of the companies that have reported, the biggest problem is the quarantine. The quarantine has made it so that if somebody gets sick, you can't fill the shift. So, David, if, yeah. if, 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 if Gottlieb's right, and I think we all agree Gottlieb's pretty solid, yes. then I think that it, the, it says, listen, let's, we're going to make a move, but then we've got to wait and see what happens when people come back to work. Yeah. I continue to be fascinated by what China's doing. Uh, we've you talked about zero, it a bit in terms tolerance. of their zero-tolerance policy, which continues. They're locking down of cities. They're slowing of certain industries to a certain extent. And what I am hearing now is supply chain issues may be getting a bit better in some areas, but out of Asia, there's concern that they may actually be worsening a bit because of China and other Asian countries' policy, which are very different than ours in terms of continuing to have at least very little tolerance for any cases. And yet when we hear about reshoring, it still seems to be... Um, hit or miss. I mean, people just, they like the China strategy. They like that a little more here. Uh, when you see somebody like an Intel, they don't want to be dependent so much on, on Taiwan. Remember, they, the Chinese, what, sent over more than 30 jets this weekend. So, I mean, jeez. A lot of naval activity uh, on the east coast of Taiwan, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, so we're down uh, 4301. That is a full 10 percent down from the S&P highs. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. And that's certainly very significant. We haven't seen that in a long time. And we're getting a 90 percent downside day, almost 90 percent of the stocks to the downside. Just take a look. Not a lot of places to, uh, to hide, not surprisingly. Uh, consumer staples up a little bit earlier on. So you had Kroger and Clorox and Colgate, Procter & Gamble holding up. But not much else. You see even healthcare defensive group down almost 2%. Energy, which had been the market leader this month, down. Arc Innovation down even more, 5%. So take a look at the tech stocks. And this is typical that we're seeing. Mega cap techs like Apple and Microsoft are down today. But the more speculative stuff, the Shopify uh, and the blocks, uh, they're down about twice as much. This is a very typical pattern. I'll tell you something we haven't seen in a long time. New lows. We have almost 450 new lows on the NYSE. When the last time you saw that? Here's some surprises. PayPal new low. Etsy. Walt Disney. Amazon's at a new low. 2,800 on Amazon. That was 3,200 just about a week ago. So rather surprising uh, group of new lows that we've got here. We've got two big market issues. I wrote about this in Trader Talk uh, over the weekend. Number one, we've got a multiple compression. The P.E. ratio, which is how much people are willing to pay for a dollar of future earnings, uh, has been dropping. It's under 20 right now. It was in the mid-20s. So people are getting a little more cautious, not willing to pay as much for a future stream uh, of earnings that are out there. And then, of course, we've got the uh, earnings headwinds that are there. 2022 earnings are only going to be up 8%, folks. That's closer to the historic average of 6%. It was 47% in 2021. So much more modest earnings gains. And the estimates aren't going up as much, maybe because there's concerns that the Federal Reserve is going to slow down the economy a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit more than people were anticipating. So that's a big, big issue right now. Remember, last year, earnings estimates were going up practically every week throughout all of 2021. That is no longer happening. So you're dealing with a multiple compression and an earnings headwind, uh, and that's an issue. Another problem is the 
play for January was let's go buy cyclical and value stocks. Well, energy has done okay, although it's off today. Banks have been a little bit of a disappointment. That's another value group. Industrial is another value group. Basically haven't. So this idea, let's go buy small caps, let's go buy cyclical and value, and let's sell technology, hasn't worked that well because the one side of the trade, let's buy the side, the cyclical and value, really hasn't worked that well. And you see technology stocks down about 12%. And if you look at some of the other groups uh, that are out there, value in January, okay, you know, small gains here. Exxon's done well. It's down a little bit today. Deer and Smuckers. Uh, but these simply are not enough to overcome the big, big declines that we have seen throughout the whole month of January in the tech group and the to- domination uh, of tech stocks that we have seen. So you see something like an NVIDIA uh, and most of the big semiconductor stocks uh, now down 20, 21, 22 percent. Uh, Broadcom down 20 percent. Uh, and even Growth names in the consumer sector, for example, Starbucks and Home Depot, these are considered growth names actually now, and they're consumer names. They've also been getting hit, and there you see even a big cap name, uh, Microsoft. So I think the point here, uh, Carl, is the, this idea of let's go buy value and cyclical is not a bad one. It's just not weighing out against the big declines that we're seeing in tech. A lot depends on what the Fed says this Wednesday. They're in a very difficult position right now. They've got to sound hawkish. But if they sound more hawkish, market's going to drop more. Carl, back to you. Bob, thanks. Uh, Bob Pisani. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, look, I, one of the things that really shattered people last week was Shopify, where it looks like that Shopify is not doing as much business with certain fulfillment operations. And that made it, people say, well, wait a second, maybe I'm in Etsy and that's wrong. And maybe I'm, I'm in this whole universe of, of companies where you buy things online and they're buy now, pay later, and that's wrong. But Shopify had been a leader, and obviously now people are saying, what do I pay for that? And these are the problems, is what do I pay? And I'd rather be in a company where I know what I should pay, which is, say, under 20 times earnings uh, with good growth. And then it's like, wow, that stock went to 1,000, and it was all just raised price target, raised price target. So that's the problem. Yeah, we did get an upgrade of a firm out of Stevens. They got an equal weight. They think that maybe the GMV guidance is good. I thought that was a great piece because – they had a sell. I like that. They go to Holden, and they have the opportunity to go high. Max Levchin is CEO. I think he can do a good job. Uh, and against that, you have like a Coinbase, where you, you're now just down, down, down. And if Bitcoin bounces, it's a win. What's on tonight? We're going to figure out where the Bitcoin bounces. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, it's Ethereum. You know, got a good take. And then this gentleman, Ryan Peterson, he counts the boats He's the guy, David, to find out whether we've got the end yeah. or the beginning of the end. He's the go-to chain. guy on supply chain stuff. That's yeah. very good. The hedge funds, I think, follow him. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. It's an interesting company, too. Still probably. Isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jim. We'll see you tonight. 6 p.m. Uh, Mad Money with Jim Cramer. We're going to stay on top of the sell-off. Drawdowns now on the S&P. 10. Russell, 20. All sectors red in the VIX at 35. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.